0: Hello
1: there. It's Most Things Kenobi. This is the podcast you're looking for.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Most Things Kenobi, a podcast about Obi-Wan Kenobi and all things Star Wars. I'm your host, Leanne.
1: And I'm your host, Lauren. And this week, oh, yes,
0: <laughs> we are
1: entering the Citadel. <laughs> More Clone Wars.
0: I am so happy. <laughs> yes, yes. And this, this arc, okay, so we're going to do it in usual fashion. We'll start with the first episode in the arc. Next week, we'll do the following episode, and then we'll wrap it up Yes. The week after that. So, yes. Today's episode is titled The Citadel. Mm-hmm. And shit just gets crazier and crazier and crazier with each one of these episodes. <laughs> as they often do in the Clone Wars with a yes. big arc. <laughs> not, not an uncommon phenomenon there at all. So not only that, but this Citadel arc follows the Mortis arc. So yeah. all of that shit, <laughs> just forget about it. It was all a dream.
1: <laughs> right. It was Wizard of Oz. <laughs> it just,
0: the rest into this now
1: i love this arc i love it very much it's really really good it's really good it's really smart and there's some crazy shit that happens i just really didn't expect to see kids show not a kid show show. (laughs) totally
0: and big moments happen (laughs) big like revealing things happen in this arc things that matter Way later in the timeline. Yes. What the fuck is the Citadel? Did you find anything about the Citadel? Because we were going to research. Yeah. it's it, it was built for Jedi. Rogue Jedi. Yeah, I and mean,
1: it was built a long time ago. It was built like 500 years ago from when this story takes place. And it was built... By the Galactic Republic, with the help of the Jedi, for any Jedi who turned dark or turned against the Order. To me, that's just crazy that they so like insane. that. They go with maximum security prison rather than like any kind of rehabilitation.
0: Or yeah, Anything, you know.
1: Yeah.
0: I don't know. Deal with the problem instead of just trying to contain it. It's right. It, it's fucked up that the Jedi helped with this. What yeah. what rogue Jedi did they have that they said, you know what? We're going to need to build a fucking prison.
1: Right. Right. It's pretty crazy, honestly. And it's built on, I'm probably not going to say this correctly, Lola Sayu. That's sure. the name of the planet. Yes. And there was some catastrophic event that took place that, that no one was sure what happened. But it exposed the molten core of the planet. And the planet is slowly disintegrating and, like, breaking apart and going into orbit around itself. And they decided to build on this planet, knowing it was like this already.
0: I just find this extremely fascinating and horrifying. It's super interesting, yeah. And
1: in its horrificness, it's interesting. So, like, they did this on purpose because it was a very dangerous place to be. So if anyone escaped... Like yeah. what we talked about in Cadavo, uh, if you escape, mm-hmm. you're not in a very hospitable place. Food and like vegetation didn't grow. They had mm-hmm. everything shipped in, basically, to survive on the citadel. So, yeah, it's pretty crazy. And it was
0: mostly <laughs> droids that lived and worked there if you lived, in a sense. But like, there's a reason why because anything living had to remain inside the citadel,
1: yeah. Pretty much. Anything, anything yeah.
0: outside wasn't going to make it. I mean, you, you see how the Jedi that are in on this and the clones struggle the entire time they're outside the Citadel. Mm-hmm. I mean, they struggle when they're inside the Citadel, but they struggle... There's things that go on outside the <laughs> Citadel that are fucked up. So the
1: Citadel is all booby-trapped, but I started to wonder, because it was... Built by the Galactic Republic, but as soon as the Clone Wars started, the location of Lola Sayu uh, was basically in Separatist territory, so the Separatists took the planet pretty early during the Clone Wars. Mm -hmm. They didn't say how, basically, they just said they overwhelmed the... Dooku
0: knew about it, probably.
1: Probably, because he was a Jedi, so he must have known of the Citadel. So they took over that planet really early, and they said that they made alterations to the citadel so because the jedi only have what's in their archives which is like the tunnels and shit that's underneath but they're saying that that data is not so accurate anymore so they don't explicitly say that it's the separatists that change it but that's the question i have Mm -hmm. are the horrific booby traps that are everywhere were those installed by the separatists or were they there when the jedi built the citadel
0: I don't know, but it's nefarious as fuck. And I want to, this has Mace Windu written all over it. I feel like, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why. (laughs) ki
1: mundi (laughs)
0: Yeah. You know, I can just see Mace like taking some sort of personal, uh, like glee out of this place. (laughs) I'm surprised they didn't send him as part of the incoming party. That infiltrated, you know?
1: Yeah. What do you mean in the sense of, like, he would find it justified to put Jedi there or that he would enjoy trying to overcome all the booby traps?
0: No, he would feel great in, like, making the place a thing because he would feel justified that somebody needed to be there. He's the type of dude that would feel like, if you're dark enough, we gotta put you somewhere. yeah.
1: Which is interesting, because he's one of those Jedi who kind of, like, barely
0: walks that line. I know. Takes one to know one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He just just hated so many people. Or had a bug up (laughs) his ass about so many individuals, I'll say. He just was never happy. I never saw him smile, not once. Anyway. He seems very bitter, yeah. Yeah, like, something happened there. (laughs) So they... (laughs) My favorite part of this whole... Well, I have a lot of favorite parts. What am I kidding? Who am I kidding? (laughs) But it starts with the carbonite that we see for the first time prior to Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. And I love this scene. I remember the first time I ever watched this episode and I was like, "Uh uh-uh, shut up. They're not. They're totally not. (laughs) They are. Oh my God, they're doing it. And even Dave Filoni himself in like... The director's cut says that he made it in such a way that Anakin already seems to know something about freezing people in carbon and carbonite and that it will work and like he's totally okay with trusting the system.
1: in Empire Strikes Back he knows this no, or he in the Clone knows Wars. it already oh okay cuz it's
0: never really explained why they show up and this is a thing and Anakin's like it's fine we'll be totally fine this totally works and like what's he been doing exactly and so <laughs> Felloni himself said like they kind of made it seem that Anakin already had some sort of knowledge of this process working in this sense interesting and then he also said that they purposely put in a an Ugnaught. To (laughs) do the carbonation process from the outside, which is what they do in Empire Strikes Back, and Filoni said that Ugnots are the like the best carbonation, carbonizing. Yeah, they seem to be like
1: specifically talented at this for some reason. So I kind of love that little nod. But why? Why do the Jedi have? A carbon, like that large of a carbon freezing facility in the temple. They're in the temple. I checked. I because they show the temple before then they go into the next scene. You know how they set the stage of like oh, sure. where the next scene takes place. Why do they have that? What is what is it used for other than freezing people? That's the only thing we've ever seen it
0: used for. I don't know. Like I, I almost think that they could transport criminals or like... But they have a jail there, don't they? They or, do. Or they is have. It somewhere in Coruscant. They do
1: have detention cells yeah, the in detention. the Jedi Temple. Yeah. But then there's a prison on Coruscant also. So, yeah, there's both. I don't know if the cells at the, the Jedi Temple are for external criminals or if they're only for Force Sensitives.
0: I can't remember. It just seems like it would be <laughs> like, like, what are you doing down there, Anakin? What is happening? <laughs> I know, it's like
1: everyone else is asleep in the temple and he just randomly wants to try freezing different things. He'll, he'll throw a banana
0: down and freeze it and yes, see what happens. Like, like, like you with your science exactly. experiment with the liquid yeah. nitrogen. Yes. So I can't blame him too much. I had a moment myself freezing something just to see what would happen. Um, yeah. It was a non-sentient item. Yes. A banana, <laughs> Thank a balloon. God. A balloon is really interesting. If you put it in liquid nitrogen, it shrinks. You take it out, it expands again, but doesn't break. It's very cool. How weird. I know, it's really cool. Um, <laughs> so I can picture Anakin down there just throwing things in the thing and seeing what happens. Anyway, the look on his face in the animation itself when they zoom in on him is so fucking self-confident and, like, yes, self-assured. And it's really, really sexy, but it's also unnerving. <laughs> Because we know what happens in Empire Strikes Back. What the fuck? Yeah, it's like setting the stage for this guy to be a creep. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Yeah. Everyone looks really good in this episode. This this whole season is when they're at their peak whatever. But I'll never forget... (laughs) when they're actually climbing up the wall of the citadel and like obi-wan has the piece of hair fluttering which i love that's my other favorite scene there's no nostrils didn't you point out to me that there's no nostrils
1: oh yeah Yeah, sometimes (laughs) in the animation yeah he has just a flat nose (laughs) which i love (laughs) which i guess uh, yeah i guess nostrils aren't exactly the most attractive part of a human body but it's kind of on everybody so why not
0: it's a thing. <laughs>
1: That's really funny. Um, okay, so they carbon freeze to bypass. They they carbon freeze all of the Jedi that are going and all the clones that are going, so they can bypass a a scan. Right? They're gonna scan the ship. Yeah,
0: the bioscan. Yes, and
1: see if there's any living beings on board. They get through the blockade scan and arrive in this insane planet, which is purple and yellow. Yes. And I did some research on those colors
0: specifically in cinematography. Okay, what have you found? I love this part mm-hmm. of our of our breakdown. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, so in cinematography, you use colors to set mood, but It can also have like a subconscious meaning and then it can have a very deliberate meaning as well. And there's different parts of using color and light. So there's difference in like hue, saturation, Mm. brightness, brightness and value. Like how dark or saturated is the color. And then it's, it's meaningful because of the color wheel. Right, you know the color wheel where it has oh, yeah. like the primary colors, and then mm-hmm. the secondary colors are combinations of primary colors. And yellow and purple are complementary colors, they are opposite of each other on the color wheel. Okay. When you combine them together, you get brown, which is what the rest of the planet looks like very much. So, this color palette is kind of interesting because both purple and yellow can have multiple meanings. So yellow is considered the most luminous color on the color wheel. And it draws the viewer's attention, which is why yellow is used for caution signs.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because biologically, we're designed to see the color yellow first. Yeah. And it is very difficult for us to register the color purple. So mm. it's interesting that they're, like, used together in this this uh, planet so yellow could mean, in film, yellow is the color of wisdom and knowledge, but it's also the color of sickness, insecurity, obsession, idolization, naivety, cowardice, deceit, and hazard.
0: Well, that's that describes Tarkin right there, which, <laughs> amazingly, that bastard's in the Citadel. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Sorry. No, you're right, though. So purple is a rarity right like it's rare in nature so it's harder for our brains to register but purple in cinematography well before i say that purple is also a symbol of royalty because it's so rare only royalty could afford to wear purple dyes yeah so in cinematography purple represents fantasy the ethereal the illusion it also represents eroticism mysticism mystery, nobility, and royalty. So it's this weird mix of colors that are opposite each other on the color wheel, but then the colors themselves have opposite meanings as well, which I started to think about, like, what would this mean? I might be reading way too much into it, but, like, it used to be the Galactic Republic, Jedi, and now it's separatists, and it's a place to hold Jedi who were once good, who are now bad, and, like... The weird mismatched duality of everything. I just thought it's obviously a deliberate choice to use these colors. Maybe they just thought it
0: looked nice, but... (laughs) Uh, No, I don't think so. I think a lot of this is very deliberate.
1: Well, if you think about the the planet itself, the crust, when you see it from far away, it's purple. Mm -hmm. So it's Mm -hmm. like ethereal and mystical and royal. And underneath is this cracked, molten yellow core that's like sick and... It's a warning, and it's putrid. You know, it's
0: just an interesting combination there. It really just... That's a huge symbol for the galactic war that's happening, the clone war. Yes, exactly. It's a symbol for, like, Palpatine himself. Right. It's a symbol for the Jedi and what they stand for versus what they end up doing. Yeah. It could be a symbol for for all kinds i love this i love this stuff so much <laughs> and ironically purple and yellow are my favorite colors for no reason they just have always i mean it's not like yeah. a sports team or like a. you know there's no there's no reason behind it i just like those colors not necessarily together but i like those colors i don't like it in this sense though <laughs> <laughs> Well, it looks, it just looks cool. It looks like a neon,
1: like, yeah. I, I don't know, cyberpunk type thing. But the planet is, you know, like we talked about the landscape is it's like horns sticking out of the ground and crazy, like, outcroppings. And the citadel itself is built on a butte, I think is what they said, between mm-hmm.
0: two lava lakes. Well, yeah, because when they leave and they get out of this thing... There's lava rivers everywhere, and there's a a
1: lava a lava or a magma sea or something like that on the planet.
0: Good lord, it's crazy well, shit. Well, all dude. rivers end up to the sea, so I suppose if it's, it's true, a lava <laughs> yeah. river it does end up at a lava ocean. <laughs> <laughs> God, <laughs> <It> sounds terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a great place to put a citadel.
1: Yeah perfect for prison.
0: God. Well, uh, the the reason they're going there is because the Jedi Even Peel. Evan Peel. It, yeah. I, what a strange name. It's like Evan Keel, but it's Evan Peel. <laughs> and it's so pedestrian. Evan Evan is I so pedestrian. <laughs> Todd. Yeah. (laughs) George Peel is just hanging out in the. (laughs) But he, like, so he's such a tiny little thing and they just have him in this, in, in this, they're keeping him, they're held there and they go to save him. And I just feel bad for the dude, because what ends up happening anyway is, like, such a useless trip. Another useless trip brought to you
1: by the Jedi. Yeah, it explains why he's not in other parts of the stories, unfortunately. Yeah. But do you know how he lost his eye? I don't, do you? I don't, but I want to, like, find out really quick. He's, they might not talk about it in, uh canon it might just be like a legend story but what well, makes him seem um, so badass compared to his stature i know he's a he's a hard ass dude he's like he's a, hard a ass- he's a great character his
0: fucking ears they like flap
1: i know he's kind of like his ears have always reminded me of yoda honestly yeah but um but he blings them out he has like rings and shit on him doesn't he Oh, I don't know. Maybe in the the cartoon he doesn't. In the movies, but. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh- <laughs> <laughs> He's being tortured by a medical droid. I noticed. Okay, yeah.
0: So that had to be an enhancement brought to you by yeah the uh, separatist. Well, the guy who runs the Citadel. What's his name? Osi Sopek. Thank you. He's deranged. And I kind of love oh, yeah. it. He treats it like a little mouse trap. Yes, like the old game from the eighties and nineties, if anyone recalls. It's like, <laughs> you know, you have to. <laughs> it almost never worked. <laughs> I, I, well, this doesn't work either. When you bring Anakin, <laughs> Ahsoka, Obi Wan, Co- uh, Rex, uh, who else? Echo is here. This is where I we. Know. I mean, it's not this episode, but Echo. We lose it's Echo. coming up. Yes. Yeah. And so, like, there's shit that goes down in this arc. We meet Tarkin before we meet Tarkin. Right, it's a huge fucking deal, I know. And he's such a whiny bitch in this episode. I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it.
1: I love that Tarkin immediately, he and Obi-Wan hate each other. Oh yeah, Obi-Wan is
0: just like, listen here, bitch, like... He gets sassy with them. He does not take. He rolls his eyes. <laughs> he doesn't take any of his shit. Like, look, we're just here to fucking rescue you people. No thanks necessary. Let's move. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But we're skipping the best part of the episode. Which is? Which is when Obi Wan, like, goes ham in the hallway. Yes. Oh. <laughs> Oh, It's so good. It's so good. He really
1: he, he very rarely goes that crazy, but he does it a few times in this arc and it's delightful. Like backspin, backwards stabbing. Yeah. What does great. he say?
0: They're electrified, or, or magnetized. They're magnetized. And then yes. once that happened, okay, poor Anakin, okay? <laughs> <He's> <laughs> this busy <poor> dude. <laughs> he's hanging by his beautiful, sexy bionic arm. Up on the ceiling, getting shocked as hell, unable to help. <gasps> oh, getting electrocuted as usual. But he has enough strength and resolve to like get his his uh his weapon out and use it and you it's know amazing. disengage, but Obi-Wan is really his his uh lightsaber work in the hallway is really outstanding to watch. It's so cool. Yeah, and they they did some neat like, shots on him in that mm-hmm.
1: sequence where he says they're magnetized and he's trying to use the Force to push them back. They, like, zoom in on his face and yeah. give you that kind of energy. It was moving, like, against his energy. It was really cool. I liked that whole sequence because all of the Jedi are being badasses, but the Citadel's booby traps are really getting the better of them mm-hmm. over and over, and there's... There's a story I heard of how Filoni asked James Arnold Taylor when he's voicing Obi-Wan, because he voices Obi-Wan, Plo Koon, and Osi Sopek in this episode. He is right, busy. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe he voices Sopek also. It's insane. Filoni asked him to find a balance of sounding compassionate, but still knowing that the mission needed to be moved forward. Mm-hmm. and. I think he did a really good job of that because, you know, the clones, when the walls get electrified and oh. it's, like, coming up the, the hallway towards them and one of the clones gets killed, it's Ugh. so horrible. And there's a lot of, like, c- anonymous henchmen, you know, anonymous clone getting killed in this episode because right. there's such terrible booby traps everywhere.
0: Yeah, it, it's it's really hard to watch the, the clones fall throughout these three episodes Yeah, you know. The one who falls off the, when they're
1: climbing the the outside and he falls into one of the mines. That was horrible.
0: And, And we haven't mentioned Ahsoka who snuck in on this. Right, right. So I have some weird feelings about that because she like
1: straight up lies. Oh, 100%. But it works out. Yeah, but still, like, that's not very Jedi to just like bold-faced lie, bald-faced lie, whatever the phrase is, to, like, just make up that Plo Koon told her to join the mission. And then it, I want to jump ahead to the last episode, but still, like... Yeah, the final
0: conversation is questionable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, she um she pulls a fast one. You know, assuming... Uh, let's assume that the, the, the cryogenic freezing didn't turn out right. they've They would have one extra, like, casualty. That was unnecessary. Yeah. Now, granted, she does... They all make it. They show up there. Oh, look, Ahsoka! What are you doing here, Ahsoka? Ah! And turns out that she's really, really necessary on this trip. Right. And saves their asses one or two times where none of the others could do what she does. Like, going through the little shaft, crawling through because right. she was small. Yeah.
1: When you can see the entire arc, she's working extra hard to prove herself. Yes. And she's guilt? taking it in stride. Yeah. It, is it but guilt she's, though? Because she snuck in? That's a good question. I think she's trying to prove to Anakin that she can handle the risk. Oh, 100%. And I want to know what your thoughts are on this. I, I don't feel 100% certain what tone they're trying to take there. Because at the beginning, Ahsoka... Anakin says to Ahsoka... You do or die on this mission, and that's not a risk I'm willing to share with you. Why is this mission any more do or die than any other one that they've been on? Is it because they've just been to the Citadel where she did actually die? I'm sorry, the Citadel. They've just been to Mortis where she did actually die, or... I think so. Is he being overly protective? And then is she... 100%. (laughs) But also, like, she's not taking orders, right? Like, he is her teacher, her master, and she's just straight up telling him you don't get to decide things for me. Yeah. And I I can't get a sense of who's right. Maybe that's the point. Yeah, like, the episode doesn't take a side, necessarily. I I don't know. I just thought it was... It raises all these questions, but doesn't answer them. I thought it was kind of interesting.
0: I... Compared to what happened on Mortis... I would say that that was Ahsoka's trial and she passed. Now, knowing Anakin's deep-seated fear of loss, I could see him being like, oh no, not again and not in succession. Are you going to come and almost get killed again? Like maybe he needs mm-hmm. a period of... we, don't, But we don't know how much time passed between Mortis and this arc, like technically right. in the timeline. But it probably would take Anakin longer than the average master to let their Padawan back into a dance. like an overprotective parent. You're not going to let them just go do the same thing after you still feeling maybe somewhat responsible. Cause a lot of that was on Anakin's shoulders in Mortis. Yeah. So he's probably carrying good. that around. Cause that's what Anakin does best. He just keeps it, holds it, carries it over. <laughs> yeah. Overdoes it. <laughs> And, but at the same time she's becoming more independent and more sure of herself and maybe he doesn't want to lose the master part similar to like how Qui-Gon just kind of I don't want to say ditched Obi-Wan but once you come into yourself you don't need a master Mm -hmm. anymore and maybe Anakin wanted to be needed in that respect and wanted to be like no you can't go because I still have say here you know maybe that's a stretch but i think it's an interesting point honestly he loves her that's his kid's sister and like as soon as the kid sister doesn't need her big brother anymore that that's gotta hurt yeah that's a hard adaptation And honestly that's hard for
1: even parents whose kids go to college you know it's yeah. hard to adjust to not being needed because you are needed by your kids yeah. and then all of a sudden they don't want to need you anymore yeah, that would be a really hard adjustment. We all know Anakin is no good at adjusting to anything.
0: <laughs> no, and he really, really likes being needed. So, Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he really needs everyone. So it's kind of, I don't know, it's always sad with those two because obviously Ahsoka is very capable of herself. She proves it over and over. Mm-hmm. It's. I just, I don't know. I think it was left ambiguous. I guess to answer your question, I don't know if there is a right answer.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because they, like, they usually take a side. And I don't really feel like, at least in this episode, I don't feel like there's a side. Maybe by the end of the arc,
0: we'll feel it more, but... Doesn't she also play a little, not devil's advocate, but almost? Because Tarkin, she doesn't like Tarkin. And she hears him yapping in Anakin's ear, right? And mm-hmm. she's she's watching this, and she's coming from a more unbiased perspective, I she's just like, what the fuck's going on with these two, you know? Yeah. She's always watching and trying to figure out what is going on with Anakin. You know, between uh like cadaver when he was he had the lightsaber up to the dude's neck in the ship, she was like, What the mm-hmm. fuck? And then why is he so angry about the slaves and stuff? And and then in Mortis you know, just when he had to choose technically between Obi-Wan and Ahsoka, but he saved both and, and all this mm-hmm. stuff. I, I just feel like this is piling up in Ahsoka's brain. <laughs> and she's watching Anakin literally transform into something unrecognizable or slowly unrecognizable to her. Yeah. You know, we don't know where she stands with doubts in the on the Jedi at this point, right? No. Well, I mean... By Kadavo,
1: which is later, she's still encouraging yeah the, the governor to join the Republic, at the very least. And she doesn't seem to have doubts about the Jedi until the Jedi doubt her, I think. Yeah. I think she might have more doubts about Anakin and seeing the inconsistency maybe between his teachings and what the Jedi say is appropriate. But speaking of that, like... Obi-Wan even says to her, I see you're taking the do-as-I-say-not-as-I-do approach. Yes. <laughs> it's like, that's... That's, uh... Just hold that mirror up to yourself, Master Kenobi. <laughs> yes. Yeah,
0: I mean... It's like you know. all
1: three of them are classics, do-as-I-say-not-as-I-do. <laughs> well,
0: you know, it ends up working out in some instances. <laughs> but it takes all of them... You know, the real hero of the Citadel episode and arc is r2d2 yes pretty much yeah they'd all be screwed without him (laughs) as usual he's there to um (laughs) facilitate the disasters and keep them all together like (laughs) just keep it together because he's the one that flies the ship in with like a with a makeshift uh uh, roger roger droid (laughs) Right, yeah, he's got three battle droids. Also,
1: why the fuck was 3PO in this episode at all? Except for fan service? Because he's Padme's droid at this point. Why is he at the Jedi Temple randomly with R2D2? I don't
0: know. Uh, Sorry, I just get annoyed when he shows up. (laughs) I I know you do. I know you do. Well, maybe he was running errands uh, or something. He just stopped yeah. by to see R two just to say hi, just to check out the carbon
1: freezing facility, or that. Yeah, reason. you never
0: know. Well, it's funny. Maybe he had to be there because he's there in in uh, Empire Strikes Back, in a sense. Yeah, I guess he has to understand <laughs> the whole gang's here. <laughs> I don't know. R two, R two is the is the real MVP in star wars period
1: <laughs> literally the whole weight of the story is on his back well i will say though that obi-wan has some very sexy moments in the and it's whole the, hair. Thing. the hair the hair hair that he does a pull-up which is great
0: yes yes oh when he peeks up over that little ledge yes, <laughs> yes. exactly <laughs> when we don't get the nostrils it's so yeah, great right. though like that takes some <laughs> upper body strength and you and i have commented on it before
1: it's true. He's got to be strong to do it. Mm-mm.
0: <laughs> or weigh as much as a piece of paper. But <laughs> no, he's got the Dorito shape. The shoulders down to the waist ratio. <laughs> and if you're not sure
1: how big he is, look at Revenge. And there's a scene where um, oh, Ventress tries to roll him over and he looks huge compared to her. I love that. It's really interesting to see that because he always doesn't look that big because he's next to Anakin. And then when he's next to Ventress, right. he looks huge. Well, then can you imagine how big Anakin is?
0: I can. <laughs>
1: I'm sure you can. <laughs> well, I, I also love the moment where Obi Wan does the diehard run where he like, oh! they set all the explosives off and he runs down the hall with the bombs going
0: up behind him. Yes. Oh, man. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I I I uh I love, I just love how every time that they're in the citadel and they bypass or defeat one of the like booby traps or th- you know the guy what's his name is sitting there like ooh let's press this button and see what happens and then they like, <laughs> totally defeat whatever that is he gets increasingly more and more irate, yes and he kind of gets like mad professory. Like, (laughs) dressed. They beat me. Let's try this. And then he codes something up. Like, I don't know. He's living there alone by himself with a bunch of droids. Probably dreaming up ways to, like, you know, carry out things.
1: Yeah. That's all he does all day long. He's described on Wikipedia as sadistic. So. Yep. Yes. 100%. Clearly, he's got some issues. Uh, I mean, the fact that he's. A combination of Al Pacino and Christopher Walken is... <laughs> no, it's
0: perfect. Makes it even funnier. It's so perfect. If Christopher Walken worked in the Citadel, I would go and hang out there.
1: <laughs> Who wouldn't? Oh, my God. Oh. It must be really funny to be James and Taylor doing both those parts because they talk to each other. And yes. from what... They say, I've seen a bunch of interviews, the characters, like, the actors don't do not do one character and then do a new take as the other. They just switch back and forth while yeah, they're recording. Yeah, that would be really hard. Well, ask Dee
0: Bradley Baker how that works. Seriously. Yeah, he
1: played the torture droid in this episode, uh, and all the clones. Like, uh, And Ashley was the, um, oh, the tactical droid. She was the tactical droid she in this was episode. She was the tactical droid? Mhm. Oh. Interesting. Yeah. I love how they do that. They will just have the actors do some secondary voices for the episode. If they're there, why not? That's well, cool. The f- first time I watched it, it never registered to me. And then I started researching and I was like, "What? They did those voices too?"
0: Yeah, that's <laughs> always my reaction. I'm just always and forever impressed by voice actors. I mean, Yeah. So this episode is is it sets the stage for the nonsense and craziness that ends up happening in the next two. Yes. Which we will cover. There's more Tarkin. There's way more Tarkin. He can go fuck himself. But this is one of our favorite <laughs> episodes that you and I used to watch together and rewind, play, rewind, play. Yep. Rewind <laughs> one more time. Play that scene over again. You know. Good Freeze times.
1: the interface. Have to... F- Close it out, relaunch it, send the link to each other again.
0: <laughs> I regret nothing. Same. <laughs> All right, our audience question this week to you is, did you expect to see good old Tarkin show up in the Citadel episode? Because I sure as yeah. shit
1: didn't. <laughs> it totally took me by surprise when I first saw the episode. It was quite a shock. Yeah, but I loved it. I did too. The guy, the guy voices him very well. Very well. Join us back here next week. We are going to dive into the second episode of this arc. The episode is called Counterattack. There's more shenanigans, more torture, more Tarkin, more Tarkin. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's going to be a delightful shit show. So come. I can't say that a delightful shit show. So come. <laughs> Uh, a delightful shit show. So come on back and join us next week.
0: Alright, last week we talked about all kinds of stuff. We started with our celebration announcement. We ended with Matt Lanter stuff. And a lot of laughs were had. And this week's comment comes from my mother, Gina. Hi, Gina. Also <laughs> a patron. Uh, She... She personally told me she loves the idea. Well, first of all, she congratulated us again on Aww. making our <laughs> way to London. Uh, but she's, she said it's a fantastic idea to have the merchandise with the QR code. She, and she said, now that I know what one is, I would use it. <laughs> and she also gave me very pointed advice that I need to behave and don't strain my voice. If I'm going to do this panel. That's true. You can't strain your voice just because you want to
1: enjoy yourself. But most importantly, because you're a panelist, you have, I have to, to be speak. able to talk.
0: And she yes. said, now you stop that, Leanne. You stop yourself. You behave. <laughs> and don't do that. And I said, okay. So there's our comment from the week. Some motherly <laughs> advice. on <laughs> Thank you, Gita <laughs> On our trip to London. So thanks, Mom. We love you. Thank you
1: so much for joining us here on the Most Things Kenobi podcast. We appreciate every single one of our patrons and are grateful for your support. If you'd like to support the podcast and become a patron as well, head on over to the Most Things Kenobi Patreon. As always, you can follow us on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast player. If you enjoy our podcast, feel free to rate us on Spotify and Apple. And if you need just one place to find all of these, head over to MostThingsKenobi.com.
0: So until next time, space Twin, may the Force be with you. Always.